Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com, check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we sit down and talk with Auburn University's assistant strength and conditioning coach, Megan Young. And Megan's going to talk with us a little bit about athlete buy-in. We're going to get into four factors that she has seen that have really had a great impact on developing relationships with her student-athletes to improve the buy-in to the whole training process. We then get into how buy-in is, isn't necessarily just what it, uh, you know, with the training program in and of itself, it's more about the the program as a whole, including the staff, the players, and everything that the entire program is trying to accomplish. Then we get into some strategies that she's had some really good success with at her tenure at Auburn. Uh, some really, really awesome tidbits, some awesome stories. Uh, really thankful for Megan to spend the time with us because there are some, some very personal you know, reflection over the past 12 to 18 months, you know, the how her relationship with these kids has developed. It's really fascinating. So, Megan, thank you again for spending the time with us. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Megan, thanks for being on with us today. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about a little player buy-in today. That's what you want to talk about? Okay. Um, well, you proposed to me what question do people not normally ask me that I think they should ask and, you know, you, that is something that I feel like people talk about mentality or culture or buy-in and um, there's all these, like, uh, terms used and tossed around, kind of these feel-good terms, if you will. There's a lot of emotion behind it, but not a lot of logic. And I think it's a pretty stepwise approach to how you can create the culture I mean obviously the first thing is win national championships like that that creates a great culture like um, you know and honestly just actually thinking about that uh, pay tribute to coach summit who passed away yesterday you talk about creating a culture and creating buy-in I think she created something for every basketball program men's or women's to trying to step towards um, so but in my specific situation and just trying to understand people it's not just about my soccer team but um, anyone really there's some basic things that you need to know in order to be able to communicate and have dialogue with a person and if, if you take the time to understand where they come from what they care about and what their goal is then you can speak to them in any moment in any emotion so um, I think a lot of times when people sway into like their go-to emotion um, when things aren't going well, whether it be rage or fear or crying, whatever that emotion that comes up, when you can speak that logic and remind them, hey, this is where you come from, 
hey, this is why you're doing this. Hey, this is your goal. You kind of remove all that emotion. And emotion is great, don't get me wrong, but logic should be the day-to-day stepwise process of how we go about our business. Um, it's how strength coaches think in periodization, and then emotion happens, you know? So it's how do you plan for emotion, but strategically input logic to help counterbalance that. Um, and it, it's a lot more feeling, feeling it and then determining it, and I think that's the art of coaching that we kind of talk about a lot. Um, science is great, and so, you know, I think that trying to understand my group and find a way to effectively communicate with each of them, even if that means going through another person or another avenue. Maybe my athletic trainer is the right person to send that message. Um, so that goes to all of us being on the same page. When you're all on the same page, and I know people talk about that all the time, but what is the effective message that we're trying to send? Um, and it is that that we're focusing on nutrition right now? Is that that we're focusing on sleep? Is that that we're focusing on uh, a specific type of program? Whatever that may be, as many voices as we can get sending that message allows for the different personalities and different dynamics and different cultures of the individuals within our team to be reached. Um, I think another thing is being present every day. You as a coach, if you're present, um, you become a consistent variable. When you become a constant, people look to have you there um, instead of thinking, oh, you know, hey, I, I never see this person. It's, oh, where is this person if you're not there? So um, being present every day, but always available, even when you can't be there. So, and obviously I've had specific situations where I've been gone for an extended period of time, but presence can still be felt even when you're not there physically. Um, taking the time to invest in people, not just your athletes, but coaches, friends, family, invest in their lives outside of either the sport or whatever your ulterior professional motive is for that person. So when you get to know someone, like even our relationship, getting to know them as a person and kind of understand them and speak into their life instead of just talk work. Um, I think that goes a long way, especially with these kids. Um, having a strong Snapchat game, so basically just understanding what they care about. When when you understand what they care about, what music they like, what they're into, that's a part of their culture, that's a part of their makeup, and when you can speak to that, they're like, oh, okay, she cared enough to understand. I may say it wrong, I may not know what this hashtag means or what this word in this song, I may not know how to do this dance, but I know that it's important to you. Um, and I'm hopefully gonna be able to communicate that I've taken the time to learn that. Um, the With my team specifically, I think that we do a really good job of, I work them extremely, extremely hard and with high execution standards or discipline standards, but those are always communicated on the front end so that when they are held accountable to those or given constructive criticism, it's done with a logical explanation, not just, oh, I feel. Um, I try to stay away from, I feel like it's, we did or we did not. Uh, and the more you can hit those variables, the less is left to question and they walk away at least with understanding. They can be mad, but they can be mad with understanding. I can't help the emotional reaction they have. I can only help that they understand what was going on. Um, and then I think a big thing with uh, athletes these days is giving them an avenue to communicate 
So if I can open up the communication between them as a group and either start it and also moderating that conversation to allow for its growth and eventually to let them have ownership in that. So like, what does that look like? Maybe that's like today at the end of a conditioning session, them sitting down, going through their post-workout stretching or whatever is going on and asking them to rate themselves and the team on a scale and say why. And then also allowing other people to say, hey, you know what, you're wrong. You did better than that. And not allowing them to downgrade each other, but upgrade each other. Um, I think that goes a long way to get them away from texting each other, making them actually speak face to face and doing it day one. Um, and then reinforcing that so that they're used to getting criticism from coaches, from their own teammates, and kind of understanding each other's emotional personalities and profiles and kind of emotional IQs of how you have to say things to certain people so that when you get in the heat of a game, you can say something and it can be received in the way you wanted the message to be received. Um, And I think the putting my team in a position to take their own ownership, obviously I I, I saw that a lot this past season um, where I was completely removed from the situation and had they chosen not to take ownership, that would have been fine. And the, the way they would have performed, I don't know how it would have been, but I think that they did a really good job in the summer beforehand, before their season of saying, you know what, we put in the work, but we also put in the time to understand each other and doing things together outside of just training. So when they stepped into a situation where they had some adversity, you know, they removed kind of the biggest cheerleader in game day, which is me they were able to deal with that. And um, uh, I don't know, I think their passion is derived from a sense of purpose and their purpose comes from this team unified purpose. It's not, oh, I have this goal, I have this goal, this person's not playing. It's a genuine purpose of a team response. Um, And then sports science is great, right? Like it's great to use science, but I use it to express a logical understanding of the training process and using emotion still has its place for me that's the competitive edge on game day so when you do all of these things and create kind of this this is just what we do every day every day is going to have a process every day is going to have a stepwise approach every day is going to probably have some critical feedback every day you know the expectations and you're held to them and every day you should leave understanding how you did and what's expected the next day and I think that over time is called consistency and confidence comes from that consistency. So when you do that, you can be removed from a situation or I can be removed and they've been put in a position to be great leaders and have a coaching staff that they can take them over, give them the skill development, the technical and tactical and go from there. And you know, we've seen some really good success with that, especially in the past few years. So it's, it's fun to see things work, um, you know, kind of validates the system of training. And you even see it now in our incoming class, um, before they even get here, they're communicating with me, reaching out to me, uh, asking questions um, after they're all committed and everything. We're not committing violations but by any means, but they care enough to come in already committed and show that commitment on day one. And that's actually what we saw today. So. Um, I would say overall, that's kind of my culture buy-in in in 15 minutes of me talking straight. (laughs) No, but I think that that's some awesome stuff. So we can really break it down into three segments, I think. We can look at 
coach player, we can look at generational, and then we can look at inner team, getting them to buy into each other. So let's, you know, a couple weeks back, we had Brett Bartholomew, and, and Brett loves to talk about these things. He's really passionate about, you know, building relationships and this and that. So let's start there, and let's talk about maybe some some pros and cons, some, some goods and bads, things that you've done that have really worked well with the student-athletes, some things that you thought would work well, but then now, you know, you look back and it's kind of like, uh, what was I thinking? Sure. <laughs> um, and let's go from there. Um, I think when I came in at, to Auburn in 2009 and started working with soccer, it was kind of this intimidation approach, um, like, hey, I'm here, I'm obviously larger and stronger than all of you, so I'm already like this thing that they're not used to seeing, right? Um, and then, so that intimidation factor and kind of working from a place of fear almost, not and not fear of me necessarily, but fear of like disappointment in me or fear, fear of failure due to what I was gonna make them do. And now I'm completely opposite of that where I feel like I fail if in day one, inclusion didn't happen. So for me, every day, if I somehow make our team have this inclusion factor, and whether it's talking, whether it's a finisher, whether it's expectations, any of those things that create athlete inclusion from with me to them and with them to themselves and them to their own team, kind of like who you're talking about, I think that is the game changer. And yeah, having a background in adult education helps for sure. They could just call it coaching. Um, adult education just allows you to speak from a perspective of what's going on here, what is true cultural diversity, what is true diversity, and that's all just in the makeup of a human and understanding, okay, these are just some human differences, and instead of ignoring those or exploiting them, let's just understand them and speak from an area to where we include you regardless of that diversity, and not even regardless, but because of that diversity. Diversity is a good thing to us. That's awesome, and I think that one thing that a lot of young coaches can take from that is, you know, a lot of people talk about how you have to be able to demo and do and, you know, be the kind of grunt of the group, but at the end of the day, you're not a bully, and you need to get them to do what's in their best interest to perform better, and I think that all of us as young coaches have kind of walked in with the chest puffed out, tough guy kind of attitude. And I, I think it's really cool to, to, you know, listening to you see the, the evolution of that whole process. Yeah, and I mean, I think that my personal journey has definitely even made that happen more so within this past year was um, I've always been someone that can move weight and move it fast and demo certain things very, very well. Am I going to run as much as a soccer player? Heck no, but, uh, you know, I was a thorough in college. I can do speed and power all day. Um, but then when you're laying in a hospital bed, how do you how do you coach, you know? Uh, when you're removed and you're remote, how do you stay connected? Um, so that was a huge challenge and hurdle for me. And then how do you reintegrate to, to that team? Um, and so I have a very unique I think I'm very blessed 
and that my athletes don't want to just run through a wall um, for me because, oh, you know, we win games and we care about that. It's because we care about life. And not many 18 to 22-year-olds have to go through something that makes them real, but realize that they're not invincible. But when the person that, in their minds, they consider like the strongest person and the person that's really consistent to them, um, when that person is lying in a hospital bed and they see that, that is quite the shock that, oh shoot, life is real and, it, and things can change like that. So they have a different kind of perspective and that creates kind of a unique bond with it between us. So. Um, when I ask them of something and that, or ask them something of them, they do it from a place of, I want to say pure respect, not because of what I am capable of physically or what I, you know, think that they, they should be doing because of science, but just because they almost lost me, you know? And so we truly value every day that we have together. Well, that's some pretty awesome stuff. And I'm not saying that you have to have cancer, that you have to almost die to have that. Um, you can you can build that with anywhere. And it starts by just being real. And I think uh, a lot of these good coaches, Brett being one of them, um, they're able to speak life and speak realness um, and kind of talk those things to people, either because that's been their own journey and they're able to share insight through that. and. That's my personal belief, is that every experience I've had um, is only to allow me to connect and communicate effectively with people that go through that, whether it's athletes, strength coaches, you know, people that I'm close with in the profession, my own family, whatever that is. I go through these struggles, if you will, not to make myself stronger, but to make everyone around me stronger, because then I get to stand on their shoulders. Well, it's awesome, and it's that's a really really special story and thank you for sharing all that because that's really that's awesome stuff so then to totally turn the corner sure the generation connecting with the generation um one have a strong snapchat game <laughs> i'm joking but i think just understanding the things that are important to them so in in basketball you know, my basketball athletes were always, you know, Megan, do you know this song? Megan, do you know this dance? Megan, do you know this and this? And in soccer, it's, there's some of those kids that it's knowing that they have their significant other and what's going on with that or being able to talk about school and let them vent about that or, hey, we have these problems as uh, in my family. So just being open to communicating to them and communication is the weirdest thing with this generation, right? It, it may be text messages. It may be posting something on Instagram that it gives a subliminal message to them. It may be a, a Snapchat of, you know, hey, I was proud of you. It may be building confidence by posting their results for them or, hey, making sure that they understand all the technology we're using and saying, look, man, like this is where you are and this is where you were and, and look at that progression. and. So I think any of those small things that you can do to help build confidence, uh, a lot of what I've seen in this generation is one, I mean, they, ju they just lack true confidence. It's all built in these false realities of social media presence. And um, even in recruiting, you know, people have to act perfect and they have their real Instagram and their fake Instagram. And, you know, here's my recruiting social media and here's 
really who I am. So truly giving them time to show who they truly are and then be like, I accept you for who you truly are and let's build from that. Yeah, no, that's pretty neat. And, you know, coming from a, a high level program like you were at out there, um, I'm sure that even a lot of those things are, are more wave-like with some of these kids where, you know, because you're going to get such a high-level kid as an athlete, they're all going to be so swayed, whether it be one way or the other, just because that's how athletes are. Yeah. Um, I think, too, it goes down. I mean, it's recruiting a lot, honestly. Um, our coaches recruit kids of great character. Um, and... So that makes a lot of things easier. If if you're not a kid that fits into a mold of a team that can handle discipline and that you're truly dedicated and 100% committed, then then this is not going to be the place for you. Um, but if you truly want success and to make history and build a legacy and do all these other things, then all the intangible things of this worth work ethic and all this other stuff, it, that's just a part of your genetic makeup of who you are. So recruiting great character along with the skill set, I, I think that my coaches can make my job much easier. Yeah. Yeah. So piggybacking that into from what the coaches do, building in with the team. Um, the whole idea that you were talking about earlier, I think is freaking brilliant. So let's talk about things like that. How how you get these kids to buy into each other. Yeah, um, they have to talk in order to buy into each other. They have to spend time together. Um, so our team, um, our coaches do a really good job of giving them those opportunities. Um, but you don't want to wait till preseason to do that. If you wait till preseason, we have eight days to prepare for our first game. So that's not enough time. So. The fact that they're coming in at the end of June and we have this time frame before August, before the reporting period, to get to know each other so that we're not running around in preseason going, I don't know your name yet, but pass me the ball. Um, so just spending more time together and that quality time and that structured time. So I try and help structure the conversation for them. So at the end of their hardest uh, running sessions, like I was saying, we'll sit down and um, the, we'll go upperclassmen to freshmen, and they'll rate themselves one through five and the team one through five, the team being first. And it's only based on effort. Um, and so I, I, don't, I don't care about the execution when we're talking about things like that. I'll speak on execution. I'll be critical on execution. But it's their job to control their effort and their attitude, and that's what my coaches preach every day. So I want them to start talking about their effort. And uh, five being the greatest, one being the least amount of effort. And so they'll say, hey, the team was a four and because of these things, and then they'll rate themselves. And I like the seniors to go first because they have the most experience doing it. And by the time you get to the freshmen, a lot of things are end up repeated. And it gives the freshmen a little bit of confidence because they're like, I can just say what she said and I'll be okay. No one will notice. Um, but the, it's a huge identifier of what kids actually think of themselves. Uh, you have those kids that are way too critical, that always rank themselves too low. So it's a huge plus for them when their teammates are like, hey, hold on, hold on. That's BS. Uh, you know, you were a four, not a two, and here's why. And then the whole team attests to that and will say, hey, if you thought that too, raise your hand. Or if you heard that too or have something to say, raise your hand. 
and then we'll end it with like just hey two claps for that person and the whole team will give two claps so kind of giving them praise and saying like quit being so critical of yourself that's the reality you have in your head that you've made up but here here's what we see um and i think that helps a lot um with that whole confidence issue coming in and then it's always my job to be a little bit more critical because they make a they may think a session was a four and i'm like ah, i thought it was a two and they're always like and i'm just preparing them for the criticism that comes in the middle of season um and and being able to actually handle that because you may turn in a paper that you think was a a effort and get a C, yeah, you can be mad about it, but at least you should hopefully get some explanation of why that wasn't the grade you thought you should get. No, that's awesome. And then does it go the other way with the players too, where if somebody was like, dude, I killed it, and somebody's like, mm, yeah, maybe not? No, I never allow the players to talk down to each other. I will, if I feel someone is rating themselves too high, that's my job, that I'll have an individual conversation with them outside of the team setting. Um, what I've noticed is when you correct a kid, old days, if you called me out in front of my team, I responded positively. If I call out one of these kids in front of the team, whatever their negative emotion is, that's what's gonna happen. They're either gonna get mad and shut down, they're gonna cry, they're gonna not give effort, and I think that's just like what you're talking about, one of these generational differences. So whereas I pull them aside, have a different conversation with them, maybe show them some data to back that up so that there's like, it's not what Megan thinks, it's what this data is showing, um, That that's where that conversation will happen. No, that's awesome, and I, I couldn't agree anymore when it comes to, you know, the whole like when we were playing, coach could have said some things and it would have been like, oh, I'll show you, you know. But now it's like, you know, immediately, man, they it's you know it's they go to the night watch and they and they hide at the wall, you know, and it's uh, it, they just kind of run away from it. Um, but yeah, and it's uh, another thing that we've had success with with that is putting it into the decisions of that they're making and how it relates with the other kids. And it's with all the athletes. I think even more now with these kids, it's more about like everybody else than it is with them. Yeah, I mean, it's how many likes they get on their Instagram picture. You know, it's, it's uh, who cared enough to notice, who cared enough to look at this stuff. And so we're at least saying, hey, we cared enough to talk about it. So the team has those two opportunities a week, but every day, um, so on the other three days a week that we're training, um, myself and the coaches that work with me will write on their sheets every drill that they did that day, You know, whether it's warm up and then the conditioning drills or whatever and the lift, and we'll give them a rating uh, on effort as well as execution. So that's, it creates kind of this great conversation piece of, hey, you gave great effort, but on your execution, if I have to tell you this coaching cue one more time, like you're gonna split your head open because you've hit 75 times. Um, and so just kind of creating that attention to detail discipline. Uh, and in soccer, you know, it's especially in the weight room, like they do a good job in conditioning because that's something that they're always doing and they've always done. Lifting is quite new to a lot of them. So 
I always tell them attention to the detail, and that is great effort. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really awesome. I mean, and again, just piggybacking back the buy-in with the kid, the understanding and working with the generation, and then building buy-in with the team are three things that are critical and, and you know overlooked. And Megan, this is absolutely awesome. Some really some deep stuff some some and some big time tips that people can take and they can start with right away here and I, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us today kid yeah no problem it's my pleasure yeah well thank you so much and uh we will be in touch really soon take care of yourself all right thanks all right huge thanks to megan young for spending the time with us today to talk about athlete buying guys you know again some some awesome points and things you could take in and, and start trying to work your way into how you handle your kids, you know, right away. Uh, you know, the whole idea of, of having them pick each other up and build each other in and, and using your monitoring to kind of be your, a communicating tool is another thing that everybody seems to be talking about. So it's really awesome. And again, you know, the, the, the personal level, the stories that she shared over the past, you know, the things that her and her athletes have dealt with for the past 12 months is absolutely awesome and I couldn't thank Megan enough for being so open and, and sharing so much with us. So Megan, thanks again for, for an absolutely fantastic discussion and, and a great interview. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, please share it in the social media outlet of your choice. Again, guys, just trying to get great information out there to the coaches and hopefully you found something of use, you know, with each one of these talks that you, that we put out here every Monday here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. So please, Tweet it, Facebook, whatever it may be. Share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Again, guys, thanks for being part of what we're doing here at Central Virginia Sport Performance, and we will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.